unique yet common sense opinions on sports. This is Jeff Allen Sports Talk. And welcome to another edition of the show. Coming up, we're going to talk about the Houston Astros winning the 2022 World Series. Robert Land of the Houston Sports Talk podcast is back on our show. And we will break that down. Robert's standing by in the virtual green room and will join us in just a few moments. Some other sports news of note to talk about. Burning question, who will coach at Auburn after Brian Harson was jettisoned into his second season at the helm? Uh, things were not going well for him. And, of course, the Auburn boosters made sure his exit was quick. And, of course, now they're paying him as much as they're paying Gus Malzahn at UCF uh, for uh, leaving the premises. So uh, they're, they're spending a lot of money, and who's going to be the hire? You know, some talk about Deion Sanders. I don't see that happening. Um, I think Deion went to Jackson State. And look, I love what he's doing for the HBCU, but I think he also wanted to coach his kids. If you really want to boil, break down to that. Lane Kiffin. Why would you leave Ole Miss for Auburn? Ole Miss is in a better situation right now. Why would you take that step backwards and deal with that kind of chaos? Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Because that is a toxic job. No matter how you slice it. So I mentioned UCF and Gus Malzahn. Big game this week in New Orleans as they take on the Tulane Green Wave, who have become a great story in college football this season. Two wins a year ago. Now they've won nine, and they are definitely knocking on the door. Uh, as far as, you know, they're currently undefeated in the AAC. UCF with a victory with only one loss in conference would take over first place. Both are in the CFP rankings, UCF at 22, Tulane at 17. Uh, and this has the makings of a real terrific showdown. If you want to hear a great preview of that, uh, check out the other podcast I host on the Nightline Sports Network, the AAC Report. I spoke to Corey Glor, the play-by-play uh, -play -play voice of Tulane Sports, about that. And uh, you can check that out if you need a preview of the game before November the 12th, as we record this on November the 10th. And some sad news in the sports world. Fred Hickman passing away at the age passing away at the age of 66 years old, and most noted for his teaming up with Nick Charles on CNN Sports Tonight back in the 1980s. So let me tell a little story for some of the younger audience out there. Uncle Jeff's story time, right? <laughs> I'm stealing that from Dan Patrick, by the way, but that's okay. Um, so, once upon a time, you know, ESPN did not have Sports Center on their multitude of networks. They didn't even have a multitude of networks at the time. Sports Center pretty much ran at six and eleven, kind of like your local news, right? And CNN uh, a year later uh, unveils CNN Sports Tonight at eleven o'clock, and Fred Hickman teamed up with the also dearly departed too soon, Nick Charles, one of the great combo sports anchor teams of all time. I mean, they're right up there with Patrick and Oberman, and uh, the, you know, they were a big thorn in ESPN's side out there on their 11 o'clock sports center. 
So they definitely made a great impact throughout the 1980s. And of course, they were the lead duo, but they also had a number of excellent uh, people that went through there. And these are names you will recognize. Hannah Storr, now with ESPN and one time at NBC. Dan Hicks, currently at NBC. Dan Patrick was at CNN uh, during those times. Vince Cellini, uh, another guy. And uh, also uh, Jim Huber, another uh, one of the greats uh, who passed away way too soon, uh, who was one of my favorites. He was kind of like the elder statesman, uh, the, the the older gentleman, but was was really good at doing sports and also really great at doing essays, those uh, opinion pieces. Uh, but Fred Hickman, Nick Charles, uh, they really did an, an amazing thing uh, because ESPN had be- had become the voice of sports. But CNN certainly made their mark in that arena. I kind of wish they still had some of that about them, where they just uh, did more than just the uh, the same thing all the other news networks are doing, which are basically not news, but opinion sports or opinion news channels. Uh, so again, Fred Hickman, we pay homage to him uh, as he passed away at the age of 66. Fred, by the way, also uh, worked went on to work with uh, uh, Yes Network and with ESPN, was a local guy in New Orleans for a while. Um, you know, he had some uh, drug issues that he had to bounce back from, uh, but had great perseverance. And uh, again, uh, our condolences to the Hickman family. And again, we uh, say rest in peace to Fred Hickman. The Houston Astros are this year's champions in Major League Baseball. And joining us to talk about that now, as we welcome back from the Houston Sports Talk podcast, Robert Land is here. Robert, thanks so much for being here. Great to be back. This is how, how you want to be back is a, is a, uh, in a week like this, that's for sure. <laughs> yes, uh, wearing championship gear is definitely a, a fun thing uh, when, when that comes around. So uh, give me your overall initial you know, thoughts and feelings about uh, about them capturing the championship. Well, it's unique. I mean, I, I host the Houston Sports Talk podcast. I've been doing it for nine years, but I've been a fan my whole life. I, I was born and raised here going back to the early 70s. So my, you know, my first game was J.R. Richard was that I can remember J.R. Richard was on the mound. It was at the Astrodome. So the first championship happened and, you know, there were tears and as everybody remembers, that was two months after Harvey. And it just, you know, it was such a magical time and a magical moment. And you feel like you got about two years to enjoy it. And then everybody, you know, decided that they wanted to take it away from you. Unlike um, the last 30 years where if you started taking away championships for, for teams that have cheated with steroids or scuffing a baseball or whatever if you go you can probably go back 50 actually 50 or 100 years Whitey Ford used to you know he used to do stuff to baseballs back in the 50s when the Yankees were winning championships he's admitted it he's had teammates talk about it I mean we could go on and on the steroid years users we know so you know that everybody is basically you know has decided that Instead of uh, talking about the fact that everybody was doing what the Astros were doing, which basically all the ball players were, it, it became the Astros thing. And you felt, you know, de- delegitimized 
um, you felt bad that your team cheated, but at the same point, it, it, it really angered the fans. And then there was a real backlash of like, you know, hey, you, you know, you, you guys are throwing stones from your glass houses. And so the last few years have just been ex- extremely tough on Astros fans um, like myself. And it's also been frustrating because um, they, they went to the World Series two of the last four years and didn't win it. And they were the favorite especially in 2019, where they lost all four games in the World Series at home. And the Astros fans are still not sure what happened to A.J. Hinch in Game 7. He could have left in Zach Granke, a Hall of Famer who was pitching a great game. He could have brought in Garrett Cole, the best pitcher in baseball late in the game. Instead, he decides to bring in one of his relievers that was out of gas, gives up the home run, and the Astros lose Game 7. So, you know, it, it, it got to this World Series, and you felt like the Astros were the best team in baseball and now they're facing an 89 win team and you go, Oh no, we're the favorites again. If we lose this, not only is everybody going to say we're cheaters, but they're also going to say we're jokers because we'd lost three of the last four world series as the favorite. So and, and it really wasn't a world series where, you know, you, you were enjoying it. It was a like, we got to get this and it's a relief once they do get it. And it, it, I think for, me and some fans that were Astros fans, it definitely was. It was just a relief that, hey, this validates the fact that the Astros are one of the great franchises, have one of the great runs, and have been one of the great franchises in history over this six-year run. It, you know, historically, I mean, you, you got to go back to the Reds of the Big Red Machine or some of the other, you know, great runs in, in baseball history of what the Astros have done, you know, four pennants two World Series championships. They've been in the LCS every single year. Uh, They've had different guys that have done it. People might not realize this, but look at the roster. There's only five guys left from that 2017 roster that were, you know, with this team. And Jose Altuve, whether the rest of the world wants to actually do a little homework or not, did not cheat. Uh, The guys that have looked over the video said he did not use trash cans. Unlike some of the other Astros, the Astros players have said he didn't do it. He wouldn't participate in it. And Altuve uh, has been a model citizen as well. Um, a couple of the other guys, Justin Verlander and Lance McCullers, I don't think trash cans were helping their pitching, you know. So, and I and and they obviously uh, ha- have pretty darn good credentials. Justin Verlander's uh, first ballot Hall of Famer for sure. So, um, so yeah, it's it it was a really um, huge deal for Houston and, and just being at the parade, I got to go to both parades and, uh, this one was, uh, as, as special as it gets and seeing the guys and especially, you know, everybody, but especially obviously Dusty Baker. And if you're a baseball fan and been a baseball fan, as long as I have, and I know you have Jeff, that Dusty Baker went in a championship, you know, who's been in the playoffs so many times, he's such a model human being. Everybody loves him. This entire team absolutely adored him um he uh ninth most winning manager in baseball history and for him to finally get that championship at age 73 and you know you you also have to remember that dusty baker was on deck when hank aaron hit 715. i mean this is a guy that has connections to you know these legends in in baseball history and so uh to see Everybody surround Dusty after it was over with. The first thing they did is surround Dusty, all these guys that were in the dugout, and and just, ju- you know, kind of jump on Dusty instead of 
you know, piling out on the field in the pile. I, I just thought that showed all you need to, to, needed to know about that. So, you know, you, you mentioned the cheating scandal and all that. And, you know, and the Astros took the necessary steps to correct those those situations. Why do you think that stigma has lasted as long as it has? I think everybody likes a scapegoat and they're like, well, w- w- I guess we, we're not winning because the Astros are, you know, I think it's, it makes it easy. And I think baseball made it easy to make the Astros the scapegoat. You know, the Yankees, <laughs> the Yankees and the Red Sox, if you look at some of the stuff that they've done, they have cheated. And, and the Red Sox, they, they basically said they cheated in 2018 when they won their championship. But somehow, you know, that gets lost in the shuffle. It's also key. I think it's in the report where two guys came into the clubhouse in 2017, not Astros that were in the organization. It was two guys outside of the clubhouse. One guy's name is Carlos Baltron. Prior to the Astros, he was with the New York Yankees. The other guy, Alex Cora, he came over from the Boston Red Sox. And when they both walked in the dugout, They said, hey, guys, everybody's doing this. We have to do this to keep up. (laughs) And my guess is Alex Cora and Carlos Beltran didn't just go, well, not the the Yankees weren't doing this and the Red Sox are. I just know everybody's doing somehow. I know everybody's doing it except us. But uh, when the Yankees or the Cora was like, oh, when the no, I'm sure they knew it was those guys. And there's been multiple players around baseball that have said, the same thing. They said it's look, everybody was not and I'm not when I say everybody, yeah, there were I'm sure there were teams that weren't doing it. But the Astros to win the World Series beat the Red Sox, they beat the Yankees, and they beat the Dodgers. And we I I've heard that, you know, even though there's hasn't been anything on the Dodgers yet, that uh that it was it was going on there too. So um but we'll see and I think history as the further we get away from this, I think there will there will be more vindication. Sort of the, you know, the shoeless Joe Jackson effect of well, wait a second, if he was cheating in the World if he was trying to throw the World Series, why is he hitting four hundred? And 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 we're throwing this guy under the bus. Um, so it's I don't I don't know. It just it, that that part of it is frustrating. But um, you know, I, I I tell you what, the the one thing that I think that national people just don't seem to factor in is uh that when you look at somebody like Jose Altuve and like I said you know there 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 was a whole big thing by the way with this garbage of a buzzer which was basically started by somebody on Twitter that was not verified it's not it was a it was somebody pretending to be a nephew or something like that put that out there and somehow that's become a, a real thing and and the national media never really discounted it. It was just a, basically a rumor that he had a buzzer because he didn't take, he didn't want his shirt taken off <laughs> or he's trying to hold his shirt on after he had a, a game winning home run off of Araldus Chapman. So, um, but, uh, you know, the, 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 one of the big things with the Astros and, and Jose Altuve is just how beloved he is as a person. And this is people around baseball. I mean, this is a guy that gets booed everywhere and people yell curse words, I mean, some really nasty stuff to him everywhere he goes and he's booed every time he comes to the plate. And we don't care anymore because when they boo him, he just hits it harder and he just beats him worse and all that. But Jose Altuve is absolutely beloved by the players. And that's all you needed to know. You know, if they think this guy is a terrible person, 
you watch him, he gets a single or a double and everybody's walking up and wanting to talk to Jose Altuve and they're smiling and they're laughing with them. Even Aaron Judge with your the Yankees, the, you know, everybody's favorite Yankees and Aaron Judge loves Altuve and they all do. And he's so well respected around baseball. And it's it's a shame because it's this incredible story of a guy that's five foot. He might be listed at five foot seven or six, but I'm I'm five. I'm a little over five foot seven and he's like two inches shorter than me. I've 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 been out there, talked to Jose. He's shorter than I am. I'm guessing he's probably five, six or five, five. And, you know, what he's done at, at second base in the regular season is one thing batting champion, MVP, et cetera, et cetera. In the postseason, guy's an all-time great, you know, uh, near the, like, I think he's second now in home runs in postseason history and struggled a little bit this postseason. But in the World Series, he picked it up and he started getting on base and uh, doing things for the, for the Astros. And, of course, he was great defensively all through the postseason uh, this year. So, uh, you know, he should be, like, just this universally lauded guy by everybody and and it frustrates me for somebody like him because you know this 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 is somebody that every kid should want to be around baseball that that that's what they should want to be and in houston it's the case but it's just amazing to me how he's like the the fans have decided that he's enemy number one because he represents the astros who were the only teams cheating and he was cheating when it's you know that all of that is false all of it yeah, and it's funny because, uh, you know, fans of other teams, if they had to say, oh, if our team could get him, oh, they'd be on board in, in the New York Minute for sure. Um, so, you know, the Yankees, of course, have been very vocal about, about you know, losing to the Astros in, 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 in the cheating era, so to speak. And, of course, they've had two shots at him now. Is it time for them to pipe down, right? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean – you know, I, I I forget like A Rod was such a guy that played at fair and square throughout his career, and <laughs> when they won in two thousand and nine, I'm sure all of that was on the up and up. And Roger Clemens and Andy Pettit, you know, were were you know doing steroids. I guess only with the we we showed them what a needle looked like in two thousand and four, two thousand and five. But when they were with the Yankees, I'm sure they were just perfectly clean. And you know, and there's a laundry list of Yankees that played on those championship teams in the late nineties. Uh, and, and obviously the 2019 that, you know, it, uh, you know, all, all of it is it's it's all kind of comical. But uh, the Yankees, I think it's just frustration because, you know, the Astros just have demolished them now for seven years, starting in 2015. First time the Astros got in the playoffs, it was a one game series. Altuve, big, big hit uh, home run in that series, in that game, the one game knocked the Yankees out and and just every time the Astros have faced the Yankees in the playoffs it's been all Astros and in the regular season this year they they played them I'm, I'm trying to remember how many games it, it turned out to be but I want to say the Yankees were up a total of two innings and in, and in, was it maybe 11 games or something like that they were up two innings in that entire <laughs> and that of all the innings that they played against the Yankees, but um, but yeah, it's you know for the for the Astros, um, you know this th- what they've done I think is is amazing because it's not you know you, 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 a lot of times you point to like a core group of guys and Altuve and Bregman and Yuli are all part of the maybe the core guys that you can say, but I mean over the years they've added Kyle Tucker. 
you know, an all-star, the best defensive right fielder in the game right now. Uh, they've added Jordan Alvarez, who's, you know, one of the top three or four hitters in the game. He's right there with, with Aaron Judge and whoever else you want to put in that conversation. Uh, they've added uh, pitching like Framber Valdez and now Christian Javier. I mean, just year in and year out, they just keep adding another piece. And Jeremy Pena, World Series MVP, Gold Glove winner, you know, won the ALCS MVP as well. Uh, you know, and having done all of this while losing, you know, in the last three years, Carlos Correa, they've lost George Springer, they've lost Garrett Cole, and they just keep rolling along and replacing guys and <laughs> with with new guys, and and it's just uh, unbelievable. And one of the things that I feel like might have got swept under the rug for people, and they talked about it. I know in the playoffs how well the Astros bullpen was. Jeff, this is the best bullpen ever. The best bullpen ever. Of the 94 postseason bullpens who pitched more than 35 innings in a postseason, the Astros bullpen had a 0.83 ERA, lowest ever. Their opponent batting average, opponent on base percentage, opponent slugging percentage, and whip were all the lowest in history of those 94 postseason bullpens. Now, I know a lot of those are postseason bullpens in the current era, but if you if you even look at the regular season, and the numbers that they put up and the depth of this bullpen, it's not three guys or four guys. It's five, six, seven, eight. Will Smith did not pitch an inning in the postseason. Now, he had a rough year, but he started to put it together with the Astros. This was the World Series MVP last year. Left-hander out of the bullpen, one of the best left-handers in baseball over the last decade. They did all that they did in the postseason with barely using Ryan Stanek. He pitched three innings. Ryan Stanek had a 1.15 ERA this year, and he was one of the top guys in appearances for the Astros. He was a huge part of their bullpen, and they just decided to go away from him because Brian Abreu came on in the last couple of months of the year and was so dominant. And there was Montero, and there was uh, um, obviously Ryan Presley, the closer. I mean, there there were so many guys that you could – and Hector Neris that, well – you know, Stanek kind of got brushed aside. Seth Martinez had a two ERA in, in the regular season, never played in the playoffs. Uh, Phil Mayton was one of the top four guys in, in in games and innings. He punched a wall after he got 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 hit. Got uh, uh, he he pitched against the Phillies late in the season, and his brother got a hit off of him. And I guess he got angry and punched a wall, broke his finger, and he was out for the postseason. I don't even think he'd have. He, there's doubtful would have pitched at all either. And he was one of the top four guys in, in, in uh, games and innings picks for the Astros this year. It's just didn't even need him. Didn't need Will Smith. Didn't need a lot of these guys. Yeah. And, you know, and, and we obviously know in today's baseball, how important the bullpen is for your success too. Um, you know, we talked about Dusty Baker a little bit and, you know, uh, I'm a longtime Braves fan. So, you know, I was happy for Dusty in that in that situation of course when the Braves won last year a lot of the you know the sentiment was you know Hank Aaron's watching over the Braves and I kind of feel like Hank Aaron was still kind of watching over the World Series again this year (laughs) yeah I mean that storyline is is good but Dusty also lost his mom back Mm -hmm. early in the year in January and he he talked about that after he won the World Series and you know he felt like you know she was there with with him and um you know, Dusty, it's funny because he, he's took a, he's taken a lot of bullets over the years. Um, there, there are people that feel like, you know, he's been to the playoffs a lot. 
Uh, he he's made some poor moves in the postseason. Astros fans have been tough on him. They didn't like a lot of the lineups uh, that he ran out there this year. Uh, there was a lot of there was a lot of that criticism. N- nothing much on the pitching staff, but there was definitely some issues with lineups that that he that he played and different things that he was doing. But you can't argue what he does for the clubhouse chemistry. You can't argue what he does for, for leadership. And all you can go by is what these guys say about him. And I mean, he's just universally beloved. It's uh, it, it's really it, it's amazing and it, it's unreal uh, what you know he brings with all of his experience. And you know, I think you know over the years, I, I'm sure he's he's had mistakes in the postseason. And he has correct, you know, feels like he's, he's, he, he can correct them now and he's better at it than he, than he used to be. You go, you, you do it enough times and you, you correct the mistakes that you make in the postseason. I mean, look, I wasn't happy with him in game one of the World Series when he didn't take Justin Verlander out, out quick enough. Ver, Verlander, you know, he struggled in the postseason in recent years, not just in the where they talked about the World Series, but um, after that first game, in the World Series, it was, I think, I want to say six out of 10 games out of his last 10 postseason games, he had given up four earned runs or more. So that's not what you're expecting from your Hall of Famer and your ace. And he he's he the first game, he gives up the three runs. And then I think he, he had a couple of guys on immediately. And I and I thought it's it's time. He, he's, he's not getting it done. And it's game one. You just had five days off. You've got a completely fresh bullpen the Astros have the deepest bullpen they've got you know waves and waves of guys that they could go to right there um and and you're going to get a day off in a couple of days anyway so you know why not why not go to somebody else it it worked I don't know if Verlander um figured anything out you know between the two games but I don't know maybe Dusty's confidence in him helped I, I I tend not to think so because uh I just think he's a veteran and he would have he would have handled it fine if he would have been taken out after those first two guys on got on in the first game and he he would have figured it out and and corrected things for that game five anyway but I don't know maybe maybe it made a difference but uh you know I, I he's not perfect but you know he he pulled just about every other string right you know they they won over 100 games and and only lost two playoff games so that that's pretty good and he will come back for next season. So I guess at this at this stage of life, he's probably going to take it year by year. I'm guessing. Yeah, it, he's fine with doing year by year at this point. He's 73 years old, and I mean, the big question, Jeff, as you as you might know here right now, and we're just kind of waiting to find out what's what's going on. And and I, and I wish I could tell you what what is going on between Jim Crane and James Click, but you know, the general manager, we're still waiting on, and I I, I don't quite get it because the, the reason why this bullpen is great you can credit Jeff Luno for a lot of guys out on the field and the starters the starting pitchers for sure but this bullpen is all James Click and he did a masterful job putting a, together a bullpen last year that got him to the World Series uh, they were really good he got guys for nothing um, in the bullpen and were huge contributors Kendall Graveman Phil Maton um, those guys, what they did last year was was massive in the playoffs. And Ryan Stanek, who we didn't see this postseason, but he was great last, but as much this postseason, but he was great last year, and obviously in the regular season this year. But you know, uh, Montero and Neris, he got for nothing. He traded Abraham Toro, who was a backup infielder, and they got 
Montero and Graveman. Graveman was their main setup guy last year that got him to the World Series, and Montero was their main setup guy this year that got him to the World Series. And Montero was really good all season in the, in the regular season this year, too. He was hurt last year in the, after the Astros picked him up. But, you know, the, James, with the job James Glick did, and, and you know, Christian Vasquez and, Man, and Mancini were two guys that he picked up at the trade deadline, and all – Christian Vasquez did was catch the first no hitter since 1956 and have a crucial RBI in game game six, the game clincher late in the game. I, I say that was crucial because even though they won four to one, it was nice having Bryce Harper up late in the game with a run on that could only make it four three instead of tie the ball game. And that was because of uh, Vasquez. And then Trey Mancini made maybe the defensive play of the World Series when he was put in there you know, after Yuli gets hurt in, in game five and, and people need to understand that Trey Mancini, when he made that play, he, he, I don't even think he'd played first base since October. It had been over a month since he had even, you know, had a shot at even playing defense on a regular season game or a real game at first base. So what he did off the bench to come in there and snag in it may not have seemed like a difficult play to some, but uh, you know, the people in the know said, oh, yeah, no, that that was what he did was a was a very difficult play. So and, and, and also James Click, uh, the, the Astros had three center fielders that were you could you could say they were all very mediocre, average to below average center fielders. And you have to figure out, you know, what to do with that log jam. And it was uh, Jose Siri. They traded him away. Miles Straw. They traded him away. He, that's how they got Phil Maton, who was, like I said, big guy in the bullpen the last couple of years. And they had Chaz McCormick. That's the guy he didn't trade away. And all Chaz did was make one of the great catches in World Series history. <laughs> and he had a big postseason at the plate, too. He was very good at the plate. And, of course, uh, Justin Verlander declined his $25 million option, and he has become a free agent. Surprised or not? Oh, no, that that was, I mean, the the Astros, I think it was a, a bargain for what Justin Verlander really is when he's on like this, obviously, a <laughs> Cy Young Award winner and a great, you know, top of the rotation guy and an innings eater and all of that. I don't think anybody could have anticipated him coming back from Tommy John and just having maybe, you could say, almost the best season of his career mm-hmm. at age 39. Um, so... You know, yeah, no, we were waiting on him for 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 him not to pick up his option, and it's just a matter of whether him and Jim Crane, because Crane was the one that negotiated his deal last year when the Astros re-signed him after the Tommy John surgery. So they have a great relationship. So it, it's just a matter of um, what what kind of money that they can agree to. Jim Crane does not like long-term contracts, and I'm sure he's not going to want to do you know, anything that long with Justin Verlander at age, you know, 40, 40 years old by next year. But uh, if, if they can agree to something smaller, then you, you'll definitely see Justin Verlander back with the Astros. But the Astros starting pitching is 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 very deep. You know, you've got Framber Valdez, who I think <laughs> you could argue he's the best pitcher in baseball right now, uh, especially what he, with what he's done, did in the playoffs. And then Christian Javier, you guys saw that, uh, yeah, he did this little thing called a no-hitter in the World Series, and he's got that kind of stuff. And if if you looked at the numbers and you did a deep dive into the numbers for the Astros this year, 
there's a real argument that Christian Javier might have been the most dominant of all the guys. His batting average against was something like 180 during the regular season. Not to mention the fact that Javier was the hottest pitcher going into the playoffs for the Astros. And you look at his numbers the last six or seven times he pitched this season, regular season and postseason, and, and, and they're nuts. I mean, it just uh, <laughs> he, he, he's really special. And there's Lance McCullers and uh, Urquidy and Luis Garcia, who we barely saw in the playoffs, uh, where they're fifth and sixth starter, and most teams would die to have those guys in their, in, you know, as their third starter or something like that. So, and Hunter Brown, who's a, another phenomenal guy coming out of the minor league system, that you know, it looks like he's going to be a star, and and just uh, was really good in the postseason, really good in September after he got called up. So, um, yeah, people aren't going to like it. But the Astros, the rich keep getting richer because they they're they're still good. They're still going to be pretty good next year, even if they lose Justin Verlander. Yeah, um, of course. You know, you mentioned your feelings about you know the start of the World Series. You know, facing an eighty nine win team that was on fire. I mean, they were they were as hot as you could be at the time, and and the Astros had two deficits in in the World Series, and then the no hitter. And you know, boy, talk about throwing a big bucket of cold water and changing that series. Christian Javier, if you watch him and and we see him all the time, he goes out to the mound, you don't see anything. He doesn't give you a smile. He doesn't get angry. He doesn't get excited. I've started to call him the surgeon because he's just so calm out there. And we saw him go into Yankee Stadium this year and throw a no-hitter, uh, a combined no-hitter earlier this year when he just dominated the Yankees for seven innings and the Astros' bullpen did exactly what they did in the World Series and closed it out, got a no-hitter. And and he's just, you can't throw him. Uh, you know, you literally can't throw him off. Uh, he He's so calm out there. And I I feel like the only thing that gets him in trouble is, would, would get him in trouble is longer counts, but he's become much more efficient this season. And as, as long as he's got control, he's hard to hit because he's got one of these balls that they can't see. They have a, a, Hitters just have a hard time seeing his baseball. They, they talked about it during the broadcast, how it just jumps on you. And all of a sudden, it's it's like a little magic trick. The ball's there, and then all of a sudden, it's past you. And uh, yeah, that, that was – it was a game changer. And me and a lot of Astros fans thought he should have been pitching in game three instead of game four because our concern – wasn't that Lance McCuller isn't good, but Christian Javier, we thought number one's the better pitcher. And you could you could say, well, it doesn't matter if he pitches game three or four in, in, in some ways. But then we thought, well, if this, this series goes to seven games, I'd much rather have two of him than two of Lance McCullers the way he's pitching. And Lance McCullers, you got to remember, is coming off uh, lots of arm issues and he's always got arm issues and you know he missed most of the year so you know he would have had a, a decent amount of rest between game three and seven but at the same time I'm like well I, I want the guy that's got the the younger arm the fresher arm with the last game of the season if it gets there well Robert I certainly as always appreciate your time uh, and uh, thank you for recapping the the World Series for us and uh, the Astros winning it all which I've I, I'm I'm happy for you because you're you're so happy about that. Uh, 
Uh, take a moment, uh, please. There's uh, shameless plugs for your podcast because you, you cover more than just the Astros, of course. Yeah, I, I, it's Houston Sports Talk. We cover Texans, Rockets, Astros, Houston Cougars, you know, all the all the Houston teams. And it, it, it's a little bit difficult right now because the Texans and the Rockets might be the two <laughs> worst teams in their respective sport. So once the Astros season's over with, it's like, oh, yeah, well, we just we've got to mostly talk about these two teams now. But the Houston Cougars, as you're well aware, Jeff, are third in the AP poll. And Kelvin Sampson, you talk about building an extended run like the Astros. What he's doing with the Cougars has just been incredible. So I might just need to start doing Cougar only shows for a while. <laughs> but um, yeah, they, they're going to be really good and they're going to be competing for a championship. But yeah, if, if, if you are interested in Houston uh, sports history or anybody with that, I've, I have on my YouTube channel, I've got playlists for uh, some of the interviews that we've done in the past and with people like Dan Pastorini with the Houston Oilers mm -hmm. and Hall of Famers with the Oilers like Elvin Bethay and Robert Brazil. And with the Astros, I interviewed J.R. Richard before he passed away a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. And um, just uh, Jimmy Wynn, who was one of the great Astros, but uh, just a lot of different stuff as far as the history of Astros and Oilers and Texans and Rockets. But, you know, I, I interviewed um, recently Jerry Truppiano, who uh, was a uh, he was doing radio, but he also called Astros, Rockets and Oilers games, Oilers games for a decade here in Houston. And he was the play by play guy for the Red Sox for about uh, 14 years and was uh, the play by play guy for the Red Sox when they won their championship to break the curse and of course you know he's been a, he's been calling baseball games for for decades so uh we talked about vin scully with him and bill russell since he's up in boston and you know just all he has that familiarity with that so you know it's i i try to get some history as well and one of the one of my favorite interviews and i know you'd like it jeff is um it's up there it's with uh a guy named handsome ransom jackson and he played for the Brooklyn Dodgers and the Chicago Cubs. He played next to Ernie Banks. He played with Jackie Robinson. He was the last Brooklyn Dodger to hit a home run before they moved out to Los Angeles. And I, I did an extended interview with him talking about Jackie and Ernie Banks. And he played college football with Bobby Lane. And just uh, he was the old one of the oldest living ball players when he passed away a couple of years ago. But I talked to him when he was in his 90s and you know it's just that's one of my all-time favorite interviews because that guy just crossed he was like the forrest gump you know he just crossed <laughs> paths with everybody <laughs> that's awesome well brother yeah speaking of the last no hitter in the world yes. series he was almost the pinch hitter for dale long against um uh i'm blanking on the name the, the through the no hitter uh, in, in 56 don larson don, don he don was larson, yeah. he, he he said it was between me and I think it's, it was a Dale Long. Was it Dale? Mm. Yeah, it was yes. between the two of them to see who would pinch hit for the final at. He goes, ah, he goes, it was a big mistake. I would have gotten hit for sure. I'd have broken that thing up. But yeah, <laughs> he, he, he was awesome. Great stuff. We'll, we'll encourage our audience to go uh, check that out. Uh, and of course, your podcasts are available wherever uh, you get your podcasts. So Robert. Oh, of course. Yeah. As always. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And now let's close things out with a TV theme. 
fascinating sphere of police work, the world of forensic medicine. That was the theme from Quincy M.E., which stood for Medical Examiner, and was also often just noted as Quincy, an American mystery medical drama that aired on NBC from October 1976 to May 1983. Jack Klugman in the title role as an L.A. County medical examiner who routinely engages in police investigations. Quincy was originally broadcast as part of the 90-minute telefilms that was NBC's Sunday Mystery Movie Rotation in the autumn of 1976. That went along with Columbo, McLeod, and McMillan and Wife. The series proved popular enough after four episodes that it aired during the 76-77 season. It was spun off into its own weekly one-hour series with the typical 60-minute plot instead of a two, uh, instead of the 90-minute uh, format, which was the Sunday Mystery Movie. A two-hour episode kicked off a 13-episode shortened run of the series that concluded the 77 season while the mystery movie format was discontinued in the spring of 77. Again, we mentioned Jack Klugman. He starred as Dr. Quincy, a resolute, excitable, ethical, and highly proficient Emmy for the L.A. County Coroner's Office, working to ascertain facts about and reasons for possible suspicious deaths. His colleagues, friends, and wife all address him by his surname or shortened Quince. And his first name was never, ever given. Uh, so like his business card was R. Quincy or Dr. R. Quincy on his door. And while engaged in parapolice investigations, he frequently comes into conflict with his boss, Dr. Robert Aston, who is played by John, John S. Reagan. And the police, in particular, LA, LAPD homicide lieutenant Frank Monahan, who is played by Gary Wahlberg. Quincy and Aston would usually tussle about halfway to an episode, after which time Quincy would successfully solve the case, outsmarting the LAPD. And he's also assisted in the, lab, in the lab by the faithful and adept Sam Fujiyama, who is played by Robert Ito. And I think the most unusual aspect of this show was that Quincy was portrayed as a ladies' man. So he's always uh, 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 becoming enamored with those who paths he crossed in these investigations. Of course, yeah, the ladies' man, not the first thing I think about <laughs> when you hear the name Jack Klugman. Quincy, our TV theme for this week. And with that, we are done here. Thanks for listening to Jeff Allen Sports Talk. Follow Jeff on Twitter at JeffAllen underscore 88, on Facebook at JeffAllen88, and the website JeffAllenSportsTalk.com. And you can reach out to the show anytime by email, JeffAllenSportsTalk at gmail.com. Jeff Allen Sports Talk is brought to you exclusively by Kramer's Salve for Dogs. Does your dog itch, suffer from debilitating skin allergies, or trouble hot spots? We have the solution using the healing power of neem. Kramer's Salve is a safe and natural approach to help your best friend live an itch-free life. Go to KramerSalve.net to order today with new low pricing. That's K-R-A-M-E-R-S-A-L-V-E 
www.thebeatdown.net.